one thing, uh, there is a battle against our pastors, uh, and uh, we seriously need to pray for them. Because stop and think, if uh, something happens to Sam and Chris, this may be what you get stuck with. So, uh, so y'all better pick up your prayer life a little bit. Oh, thank you. Um, my name's Clint Staples. Uh, I think I know most of you, but there's, there's a lot of new people here. And uh, just to kind of let you know a little bit about myself, um, my family and I, we've been coming here about 14 years or so, uh, which is a long time. And um, I am also a occupational therapist. I uh, work at uh, one of the outpatient therapy clinics. And as you know, I don't know if uh, those of you who work with people, uh, usually if you do it for long enough, you're going to have some good stories to tell. So uh, several years ago, uh, the clinic I was working in, uh, we had started a new uh, aquatic therapy program, and I was in charge of it. So one day, or, and it was also open not just to patients, we had it open to the community. And I had a gentleman, and I can say his name because he wasn't a patient, so I'm not breaking any HIPAA rules or anything like that. <laughs> so, and uh, plus he's probably already gone now. So uh, he was in his 90s. He was about 93, 94. And he would come in. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not holding my mic up enough, sorry. But he would come in uh, regularly, three times a week. He was, uh, as I can say, he was a little bow-legged. He'd come in with his cane, and uh, he would, could barely walk, but he loved to come to the pool. And so he would come in, he would plop down on his back, and he would just basically do this. It wasn't even a backstroke. It was kind of a putter around the pool, you know. But the problem is he kept bumping his head on the walls because he couldn't really know where he was at. And it's funny because all the other people in the pool would see him coming. They'd kind of get back. He'd float by hit his head on the wall, he'd turn and go the other direction. He would do this for 45 minutes to an hour. And I was all for it. I thought, man, this is great. This guy, you know, he's 94. He's really, you know, he's trying to stay healthy. So he came up to me one day and he goes, got a problem. He goes, I keep hitting my head on the wall. And I said, I've noticed. And um, he goes, you got any suggestions? So I said, how about a bicycle helmet? And he goes, no, I've got a better idea. He said, I have a hard hat. This gentleman graduated Texas A&M in 1923, I believe. So he comes in with a hard hat, had his A&M deal on it, class of 23, had all of his little engineering degree things stamped around it. He had a shoestring <laughs> tied under it. So if you can imagine, he would come in, little bow legs, you know, and he always had on his little flip-flops. He would come in, put his hat on, hit the pool. I was like, that's great. So uh, he asked, do you mind if I leave my hat by your office? I said, sure. We have little caution cones. I said, just set it on there. So one day, I was in the main gym, and I came through the doors of the, where the pool area was. And I happened to observe our office was just on the other side right over here between the pools. And I happened to observe one of my coworkers. She was female. Her eyes were about yay big. Her mouth was open. And then I realized standing between me and her was Mr. Leslie with his little flip flops on and his cane and not one stitch of clothes. <laughs> Poor guy forgot his swimsuit. So I walked up 
Luckily, the towel rack was right beside him. I grabbed a towel, I scooped it around him, and I said, Mr. Leslie, I think you forgot your swimsuit. And he was like, oh, my gosh. He goes, I'm afraid I committed a serious crime. I said, no, you're good. I said, you just sit here because the speed he was going, it would take another 30 minutes to get back in the locker room. I got his key. I went back and got his swimsuit, came back. We slid it on. He put on his hard hat. He hit the pool. Luckily, there was only a couple of women in there, but my poor coworker for 30 minutes sat there with her mouth open because, you know, you can't unsee things. Once you see them, they're there, okay? Well, to my surprise, he showed up the next day, and I said, Mr. Leslie, I'm so glad you came back. And he said, I had to face my fear. And I said, you know what? I'm glad you came because five women left their phone number for you at the front desk. <laughs> he proceeded to come and swim until he passed away. He is a great old man. We're going to be talking out of the book of 1 Samuel this morning. And I don't know if y'all have got the theme of the message today, even with Tim praying. We're going to be looking at David and Goliath. So I'm just going to kind of give you... This is called the NCV version. It's the new Clint version. So this is a little East Texas draw on the Bible. So, because uh, you know, uh, David and them kind of lived in the southern part, so they kind of had a little southern draw too. So, But if you look at 1 Samuel 17, it kind of goes through the story of when the Philistines had set up, basically encamped on one side of a, a valley. They were on a mountain over here. Children of Israel were set up on the other side. And they were facing off Saul and his army. So they get ready for the first time to battle. Then all of a sudden, the Philistine champion raises up. And if you can imagine, you know, you're across the valley. And I'm sure he picked a big rock to stand on. So here's a gentleman that's over nine feet tall. Would you stop and think? I'm 6'3". This is probably more than three feet. But probably about this size if you were standing next to him. Which, that's a pretty good size. He comes out with his challenge. He said, you know, we could go head to head here, you know, your army against our army. How about I just make it easy on you? You pick your champion. If he beats me, we'll be your slave. If I beat him, y'all be our slaves. So this goes on for 40 days and 40 nights. Every morning, every night. They would line up. He would hurl this insult back over to children of Israel. Say, who's going to fight me? Come on. They just looked at him. They go back to back about their business, and they do it again the next day. So over and over. But then comes uh, David comes in the story. His father told him, he said, hey, you got three brothers up there on the front lines. I want you to take them some food, take his their uh, uh, superior some food, you know. I guess you're trying to butter him up, you know, so take care of his kids, you know. But he told him, he said, I want you to go up there, take some takeout to your brothers, make sure they're doing all right, and give them a report. So David happens to walk upon Goliath when he's sending out this challenge to the children of Israel. And David's like, what's going on? What, what, how come nobody's acting? What, what? And one of the things he said is, what happens if you take this guy on? And uh, some of the other shoulders, I can't even say it, almost said shoulders, soldiers, told him and said, 
Well, the king said, you know, if you, if you take on Goliath, you get to marry his daughter, and your family gets to pay no taxes for the rest of their life. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't want no king's daughter because that's a lot of drama, right? But you talk about not paying taxes for the rest of your life. I'm in. Because y'all know what today is? April 15th. That's right. It's tax day. So hope you got it done. You got till Tuesday. So. so anyway, on with the story. David said, hey, I'll do something about this. He gathered his five stones. He went out, conquered the giant. How do you like that? Woo! East Texas version? We're done? We can go. No, I'm doing But our uh, series is uh, on questions. So my question is, who is your giant? Does your giant have a name? Do you call him fear? Do you call him depression? Is his name unemployment? Abandonment? Is it physical or sexual abuse? Pornography? Alcoholism, the list could be really long. Does your giant march in front of you at your office? Does he march in front of you at your home? Is he in your classroom? Or does he face you in the mirror every time you look in it? Does your giant come with you at bills you can't pay? Grades you can't make? A job you can't obtain? A substance you can't resist? A past you can't shake, maybe an image in the mirror that you can't stand, or a future you don't want to face. You know the voice of your giant well. Goliath stood in front of the army of Israel, and he hurled insults at him twice a day. Believe me, they know what he sounded like. Is your giant the first voice you hear in the morning when you wake up? Is it the last voice you hear when you go to bed? Does your giant tell you you're not good enough? No one will ever love you the way you are. That's the giant I listened to for years. I've had to deal with never feeling good enough. And it's hard to believe when you look at this body that uh, I was not athletic growing up. <clears throat> just an average athlete. I was just average, you know. Never really on top of the, you know. You know, I sat on the bench a lot. So, but I had a good time on the bench, so it was all right. You didn't get hurt on the bench, which is really awesome. So. <laughs> that is what my giant said to me ever since I was a young boy. Your Goliath dominates your day. He steals your joy. He robs your peace. How long has your giant stalked you? When Joshua entered the promised land, God told him to drive everyone out. There were three cities that Joshua did not drive out. Do y'all have any clue where Goliath came from? One of those cities, the city of Gath. Can you imagine Saul's army when they were lined up on one side of the valley looking over at the Philistines? And there was probably one guy who said, hey, I think my granddad fought these people. And he goes, yeah, my dad said something about fighting them too. Does your giant have a history with your family? Does he know your address? Does he know your family by name? Probably one of your greatest fears coming out, turn out like your mother or father. Now, for some of you new, uh, married, haven't been married for many years, 
if you're ever in a argument or uh, a discussion, if you want to say, and it's really not escalated to the point you want, just call your spouse one of their parents' names. That will get you there really fast. <laughs> it's now a joke at our house because I'll say something or do something, and my wife goes, Joe, what are you talking about? That's my father's name. So it's a joke now, but, you know, used to, it was kind of like, oh, that kind of hurt. Because then I had to stop and think about, what was I saying? And I thought, oh, God, I did sound like him. So um, <laughs> do you have a fear of turning out like someone in your family? Well, I just can't help it. My dad was that way, so I guess I'm that way too. In verse 11, 1 Samuel, part of the story it says, When Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Have you been beaten down so long that you don't feel like you can ever be free? So you have a giant. You recognize his walk. You recognize his roar. Does your giant cast a shadow over you like Goliath over the army of Israel? The Bible talks about strongholds. And if you go and look at the definitions of them, uh, I found several of them, but it talked about... Uh, a stronghold consists of a place or a fortress that is firmly entrenched, but provides walls of resistance. I like Beth Moore in the way she describes it. It is anything that exalts itself bigger than it is or appears to be bigger than our almighty God. Does your giant block your vision of who God really is? What he can really do? What in your life exalts itself bigger than our God? And is your giant really that big? So the question is, is your giant all you see? Is your giant's voice all that you listen to? David saw and heard more. In 1 Samuel, it goes in and it says, When David entered the camp, his right was when Goliath was challenging the children of Israel. And David asked, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of God? That was his first question. David stood up and he started discussing God. If you read before that, it never mentioned Saul spending time to go and seek God. To, to, like, what do we do, God? Who do you want us to fight? Which it should have been him since he was the king. But <clears throat> it doesn't talk about David's brothers. There was no mention of God. Let's spend time to pray. Let's spend time to fast. Figure out what we're supposed to do. It said they were terrified and lost all hope. It even got so bad that they had just set up camp doing their daily life thing. And I don't know about y'all, but uh, I've tried that defense mechanism. If I just ignore it, it's going to go away. Guess what? It don't go away. And parents, I want to encourage you. Teach your kids how to deal with conflict. Because guess what? It's going to happen. There's going to be conflict. Give them the godly principles and wisdom to how to deal with troubles because they are going to come. That was just an extra note. <clears throat> I lost my place again. But David stepped up. And he raised the subject of the one true God. 
He didn't talk about battle plans. He didn't talk about what odds he had or didn't have. He didn't talk about the size of Goliath, how big his shield was, how big his spear was. Even Saul questioned him. He goes, David, what's your qualifications? Why should I turn you loose? And he looked at him and he said, I'm a shepherd. And at one time, a lion came in the camp and God gave me the strength to overtake the lion and get my sheep back. And then he said, then a bear came and I killed him with my own hands. And he said, I can do the same thing to this giant. And he must have been convincing because Saul let him go. In verse 45, this is David addressing uh, Goliath. He says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, which are earthly things. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And here's the good part. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. No one discusses God. David discussed no one else but God. So the question is, this is our series about questions. Are you God-focused or are you giant-focused? Saul and his army focused on the giant. David focused on God. Imagine as David kneeled down in the creek to gather the five smooth stones. I'm sure uh, he didn't have his back to Goliath. I mean, that would not be wise. But could you imagine as he's gathering those stones and he could see Goliath's reflection in the water? If that was me, I would be thinking, oh God, what have I done? I have got myself into something I can't get out of. <laughs> but don't be mistaken. David could see Goliath, but he chose to see God more. David's battle cry, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel. Note that David said armies, and this was even brought up earlier during the worship service. You know about the prophet when uh, he, they were surrounded, and he, he asked the eyes of his servants to be open, and when he, they were, he saw the enemy was surrounded by a host of angels. Do you think David may have saw that? Because he said, the armies of Israel. There was only one army behind him. And he said plural. He knew that God had his back. Verse 48. And it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Can you imagine David's brothers at this point? There were three of them there. They were probably like, man, it's a good thing dad's got a bunch of sons because we're fixed to be minus one right here. <laughs> but David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. When is the last time you've done this? Run towards your battle line. Run towards your giant. Run towards the fear that has you in bondage. We usually tend to retreat. We duck behind our work. We check out emotionally and mentally. We uh, choose 
forbidden love. We use substances to numb our pain. And this is Satan's whole goal because he will use anything to distract you from facing the challenge in your life. So, if this sounds familiar, if it's been dogging you for years, how about we try something different? Let's change our focus. Rush your giant with a God-saturated soul. Focus on God, not your giant. How? Let's let David be our model. In Acts 13, 22, it says, David was a man after God's own heart. Was David perfect? Nope. He was a liar, a cheater, a murderer. You name it, he fell. But as many times as he fell, he also got up and was a conqueror. When he was focused on God, he was unstoppable. When he was not, he stumbled. But out of all the old people in the Old Testament, the New Testament said he's a man after God's own heart. He pursued and believed the living God. And can you imagine, um, of course, not all the Psalms are written by him, but if you go back and read some of the Psalms that were, the descriptions that he uses to describe God, he talked about, he said, you know, he's my shield. He's my defender. He's my fortress. He's my substance. He's living water. All these things. He knew who his champion was. He knew God. And that's what God wants of us, to know him better. But in life, giants, we will face them. But remember, we're not alone. Focus first and most on God. If you go back and read... Uh, the story in 1 Samuel 17, excuse me. <clears throat> David only mentioned Goliath twice. Once was to insult him, and the other one was when he was addressing him. But then if you go back and read that, you can count that he discussed God nine times. So again, what I say, what is your focus? Do you focus more on your giant, or do you focus on your God? That was a two to nine ratio. He did focus on God. Max Cicado, uh, in a quote, he said, Focus on your giants, you stumble. Focus on God, your giants tumble. So how do we be a giant slayer? Now remember, David went to the creek and he picked up five stones, okay? So I'm going to try to be my little pastor thing here. I'm going to give you five points. How's that? Why do you think he got five? He only needed one. But I don't know if you remember, if you read the Old Testament, Goliath had brothers. And I'm sure he didn't know if those brothers were around. So he was prepared. So our first stone, we're going to lay, uh, call it the stone of our past. David recalled and talked about what God had done in his past. Remember when uh, Saul said, you know, how are you qualified? And he said, well, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. And you know, uh, David and his family, as they were sitting around the fire, uh, I'm sure Jesse told them stories of how... Uh, God delivered Moses, how he delivered Abraham out of so many things. He talked about Joshua. So there are things that David recalled all from his past of what he knew about God and God's character. So remember what God has done in your life. Remember what he's done in your family. 
Recall the victories that God, that you have seen. In First uh, Chronicles 16, 11, 12, it says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done. Remember his miracles. Get to know your Savior. Psalms 59 says, For you, now David did write this one. He said, You are my stronghold, a refuge in the day of my distress. So our second stone will be the stone of prayer. Dedicate a time of prayer and fasting. Ephesians 6, 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying. One uh, translation says, Pray hard and pray long. And that's the best way to do it. Be saturated in the presence of God. Third stone, priority. God's reputation. David guarded it. Remember when he walked into the camp and he heard the insult, he stood up and said, who is this Philistine that is saying this about our God? He also guarded God's reputation when he made, told Goliath what he was going to do. He said, after this battle, the whole world will know what God did, which it's there. And he said, everybody here will know that our God is alive. And they did see that. So he guarded God's reputation. And shouldn't we do the same thing? I think David saw it as a chance for God to show off. And I'm sure if I went around and talked to almost everybody in here, you could tell me a story of how God has touched your life one way or the other. And some of you have a list a mile long of what God has done. Remember that. Tell people about it. Give them your testimony. Now, testimony doesn't have to be, oh, I was 12 and I heard the call. You know, that could be part of it. Give them a testimony of what God has done in your life this week, this month. We have all seen God's hand move. Let people know about it. Make his reputation a priority. Passion. Run to God first and then charge towards your giant. What good has problem pondering done for you? What it does is it increases your blood pressure, increases your waistline, causes ulcers, destroys relationships, causes many sleepless nights, and you may lose your peace. Does that sound like a list of all your medications there? Problem pondering actually keeps me in business because I work in a rehab facility. I get lots of people with strokes, heart attacks. And usually if uh, you work with them long enough, you get to know the, what kind of personality they are. Got to get it done. Got to get it real fast. I got to do this. I got that. And they got to do more and more and more until their body can't take it anymore. Let's not be that way. Go to your maker. I know you can be scared. I get scared. I get frightened. But go to him. Tell him your fears. Tell him your doubts. Focus on him, not your giants. Rush your giant with a heart saturated with the presence of God. Last stone, persistence. David knew Goliath had brothers. And he didn't know that they were going to come run over the hill once he got through with Goliath. Imitate David. Never give up. Be prepared. One prayer may not be enough. One apology might not do it. One day or one month of resolve may not suffice. 
as I told y'all earlier, my giant that I've had to deal with for a long time has been never feeling like I was good enough or adequate enough. Uh, Matt Broadfield and I went to a Kairos appointment at Gateway about six months ago, nine months ago. And uh, during this Kairos appointment, um, God, I asked God what he wanted to give me that day. And he pretty much told me to go back and review his promises to me. And to go back and to know who he really was. He wanted me to spend time with him. He wanted me to know how he felt about me. And through our Kairos program, we have had, uh, every once in a while, we give out a letter. It says a note, a letter from God. And it goes through and it lists all the scriptures of what God says about his children. And I have it posted in my closet on the wall. So when I'm getting dressed, I can look up and I can read a few of them. And, but this week, it was kind of weird. Uh, it came off the wall. And uh, as Polly and I were getting ready this weekend, I looked down. And it's laying on the floor of my shoes up looking at me. And I'm like, okay, so what, what's going on here, God? So uh, I went through and read it again. And it's amazing. Even the songs the worship team sang today, a lot of those promises are in the Bible. He knew me before I was ever created in my mother's womb. He knew his call. He knew I was a masterpiece, which is hard to believe, but I accept it. <laughs> he made me and created me a certain way to relate to people, to relate to him. And he, he don't create junk. He really doesn't. So... Uh, I asked JB to make copies of this letter, and there are going to be some in the back whenever you leave. If you want one, please take one. Uh, it's not long. I mean, it's a page long. It's got, you know, but it's worth reading. It's worth memorizing. It's worth getting to know your God so you can face life with him. But also, remember this. Sometimes you're going to get knocked down. But keep gathering stones. Keep loading your sling and keep taking shots for your giant. And remember, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet his foe. Don't back away. Don't shy. Remember a strong, as Beth Moore had a description, a stronghold is anything that exalts itself bigger than it really is. Our God is bigger. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And get a load of this. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is that definition? Anything that exalts itself bigger than it really is. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, good news is, wow, that's almost 12 o'clock. Okay, I thought I'd be shorter than Pastor Sam, but I'm not. So. <laughs> but I haven't asked y'all to raise your hands yet, which is good. So, But I am going to ask you to do something, okay? We're not going to raise our hands, but we're going to use our hand, okay? If everybody could, 
I want you to look at your hand. I want you to imagine that you had a Sharpie. And I want you to write your giant's name in your hand. Whatever it is. Fear, depression, self-doubt. You got it? Now, put that hand up. Block your eyes. How big is your hand compared to the rest of your body? Eh, not that big. But what I'm encouraging you to do is we're going to change our focus. Now, everybody take your hand down. Look up on the screen. What do you see? Just like David, a giant may stand in front of you. But is that all you see? Is his voice all you hear? Today, I just I challenge you. Please change your gaze. Raise your eyes to the one true champion. And let's take it head on.